today's episode, Dave interviews actress Edie McClurg. Edie is known for her iconic roles in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, Carrie, and Natural Born Killers. I'm Ian Foley, and this is ADD Comedy. We're going to start now, but, All right, but I but do want to say that normally I say, um, <laughs> and I tell everybody this, like we start right away. But, uh -huh. but, but the idea of, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to talk about what we just talked about. But the idea of, uh, of, of the business. What are you looking for? Uh, the pieces of paper that I brought in, oh, I the see. envelope. Okay, the with envelope. With the, it's got a lot of my. What do you call it? I don't know. Oh, Resume. right there. Got it. Got it's it. Right got there. It, got it. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So this will. You brought an envelope. I brought an uh, envelope. Okay. Here's oh, a look picture. At that. Oh, I got a picture. <laughs> and here's, you know, a gathering of some things in it. case you haven't, you don't know Edie, what they I went are. online and I looked at, thank you, that's awesome. I went online and I looked at all the things that you've done. And of, of, all, the, of all the guests that I've had on the show, and I've had, I've had a lot of people on, you have the most credits of anyone that I've had. Really? And, not, and but you know, granted, I haven't. Wow. You know, you've you've had like your you've so many credits, and <laughs> and when I said it's not. Are we starting now? Oh, we we started. We started. Oh dear. We started. We started. <laughs> I'm blowing my nose. Blow your nose. But this show is so not. There's. <laughs> I don't have an introduction like. And look, ladies and gentlemen, you're Peter McClurg on right now, and she, we don't do any of that. I just kind of jump right into it. But out of anybody that I've had on this show, you have the most credits, and the credits are so awesome. It goes from. Uh, like uh, planes, trains, and automobiles. Like in the scene with Steve Martin, but also working with Richard Pryor. Right? Yes. Crazy <laughs> stuff. And I've seen you improvise, I think, uh, I've seen you improvise a lot. And there's something about the way, and, it, and, it, and it's apparent in the, um, uh, thank God you're here, that one that I saw with uh, Naima Funk, and I forgot the guy's name on the couch. I know him. Um, but I saw that there's something about you that when you walk onto a set or the stage, certainly the stage for me, there's an energy that you that you that you give off, and the energy is I can relate to this person, I can connect to this person, and I know that she is going to, and I, I say this with love in my heart, she is going to watch out for me and be with me. <laughs> and there's something beautiful about that, and I think that there's that you have the career that you have because of that. Well, I'm I'm flattered. <laughs> I just I've always just tried to be open to whoever is opposite me. And not be afraid, and because I don't want them to be afraid. Right. And so, I I give out yes, and go rather than no and stop. When did you learn like the idea of not be afraid? Because I never heard it put that way. Like like the, for you to not be afraid, and then your partner's not going to be afraid. Is that something that you you picked up on? Because I don't. All that I know is you, you, you're from Kansas City, right? Yes. And then you, and then suddenly... The Missouri side. The Missouri side. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> over on the Kansas side, all you could have was 3.2 beer right. and no hard liquor, it's unless crazy. it was a private club. <laughs> the politics of Kansas has not changed at all. No. <laughs> and I, I, at a time when I was trying to save money because I wanted to move to California and do improv. You knew to do improv. Yes. Mm -hmm. I had gone, uh, I'd gone to 
um, University of Missouri, Kansas City, mm -hmm. and there was a, uh, at that time, uh, a small public radio station. Mm -hmm. But uh, they grew, and we ended up being 100,000 watts and covering four states. And I, uh, I just wanted to graduate and work as a, a production assistant or whatever at that little <laughs> radio station because it was great, and it was uh, classical music. Mm -hmm. I was aware of a lot of classical music. Are you still into classical music? Yes, and I also can pronounce many of those horribly, <laughs> horribly long names. Gedachtniskirche Children's Choir. That was very hard to say, the Gedachtniskirche Children's Choir. It makes you have a pause in the middle of yes, it. Yes, because you can't move from that back part of your tongue to the front part of your tongue that quickly. So, I, I listen to classical music a lot, and I'm blown away. Like yesterday, there was a guy in KUSC who was pronouncing a word, and I thought, how many times did you go, did you say that before you just said that? How many times, on, like off mic, did you say that? I love classical music, but keep going. So I was going to, uh, I wanted to be a person who ran a public radio station. Mm -hmm. And so I... Um, a public radio station. Yes. Uh -huh. I didn't want to particularly be in a, uh, what do you call it, station, because uh, uh, mm -hmm. because they didn't have women. <laughs> women right. weren't on the air. Right, right. So. Did you spend any time in Chicago? No. Okay. Good. I don't want to I, ha I have connections to Chicago. Right. Because in, in yes. Chicago, I remember when at WFMT, they had the first female, you don't want to call them disc jockeys, but at the classical record radio right. station there. But they also had a radio station that was in the middle of the dial, and it was called WSDM, and it was only women disc jockeys. Wow. And SDM st stood for smack dab in the middle, so it was just WSDM, smack dab in the middle, and they only had women. And it was like, what a novelty, <laughs> what a novelty. And they played jazz. But anyway, go ahead. So. Okay, so I don't know where I was. You were at the. I'm going to keep. I'm going to keep us on track. Okay. Oh, well, or not. It's. it's I was the in AD National Economy. Public Radio. Okay. Station, mm -hmm. and I thought that I would become a, you know, just run a station. Mm -hmm. Eventually. Mm -hmm. So uh, I, I thought, well, what do I do? I t I talked to my boss because I was working at the radio station. And um, I said, how do I get to be a teacher? Because these kids who are coming to me from the classes, they can't pronounce anything. They don't have any presence in mm -hmm. their voice. Mm -hmm. I, need to, I have to teach everyone where somebody should be teaching this in one of those classrooms mm -hmm. right down there. Mm -hmm. So how do I get to do that? He says, you have to have a master's or that you can't teach here. Right. And I says, well, what they call a terminal degree. Is there is there a one year program someplace where I could get a quick master's? Mm -hmm. He said, there's Denver and Syracuse. And I said, I don't want to be in Denver. That's far too cold. Well, Syracuse <laughs> was still way cold, but it had a little more cachet right. than Denver at that time. And I knew that Denver was a mile high, and my brain would not be able to take that. I'd be fainting all the time. So I went to Syracuse, and I 
I taught because I had been in a radio station. I had cut tape. I had edited. I had, uh, I knew how to do that stuff. Right. I was able to teach, and this was during the Vietnam War too. Mm. Uh, uh, what's his name was standing on the steps. Mm. Uh, uh, are you talking about a? <laughs> Uh, like an a Abby radical, Hoffman. Abby, Abby, Abby Hoffman. Hoffman. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yes. He was on the steps, you know. And you were watching. And I was saw. out there. I was out there recording, you know, live <sighs> stuff, and everything was just, you know, going to hell in a handbasket. Did you know at that time that it was an awesome time to be alive? Yes. I that. was amazed ah. that I said, "This is wow," and. Uh, um, Someone wrote across this big building, they shoot students, don't they? Because it was right after the Kent State, State killings. And uh, everybody went batshit crazy. Right, right, And right. Uh, we're not going to take this, right. you know? And so... And you were feeling that way, too. I, mean, I was you, out there. I said, I've well. got to get out there. You know, we didn't have the really great quality stuff because this old guy who ran everything, it just had old... Tape that was falling apart. Got it at the at the radio station. At the radio station, right. and it was just like us. We've got to get out there. We got to go live. Right. Can we get live? Right. Can we go live? Right. I know we can't record and then play back. Let's. Can we get out on the quad and go live? So we did, and then they said, "Okay, we have to shut down. We have to shut down the whole campus." The, the 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 campus cops said we have to shut down the campus. They said we're right. we're shutting it down. Uh-huh. Uh, you have all your students. You take what uh, where what their grades are right now, mm-hmm. and that's what they've got. The <gasps> last you know the last month is forget it. Wow! They closed the college. They down. closed the college down. Oh my God! Abby on the steps at the you know, and <laughs> it was I was like I was uh, so vibrantly alive and inspired and inspired and a part of it right and i thought this is great i'll uh, you know i'll go back to you know kansas city and i'll you know <laughs> run every... so i did right i went back to kansas city uh-huh. and uh, my boss was getting much older um and his wife had been the program the programming person and when they went from a private university, which was Kansas City University, mm-hmm. to be part of the Missouri public... The University know, of Missouri system. Yes. Uh-huh. She could no longer work for her husband. <gasps> oh, nepotism wasn't allowed. And it wasn't nepotism. Right. When he, the, he, she started working there, they were just, you know, two people in a very tiny office. And they grew to love one another, and they married. Right. And then when the University of Missouri came in, said, you can't be married and, to your boss. They couldn't even retroactive Crazy. it. Crazy. It was nuts. So she's still sitting there weeping and, you know, taking all her stuff and going home. What? Yeah. So I ended up having to do a lot of her work and my work at this radio station. And, uh, and I said, I want to teach these kids. So I, I said, where can I go? And they said, you are, you Syracuse. Have your, you have your master's. Okay. okay. So, right. so I, I go to Syracuse to get my master's. Right. And so then, then I can officially teach. Did you, that was a one-year program? Yes. Awesome. Yeah. That's what everybody wants, just a one-year program. Yes. Right. And because it was during the war. Right. We had a lot of people who had just come out of college 
And if they didn't get into more schooling, right. they were going to go to Vietnam. They were going to be drafted. Yes. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> yes. Right? Yes. So all these people. That's life and death. It and is. And looking at stuff now where, and the government was so smart to get rid of the draft. Then everybody's like, oh, no, my, my, you know, my son's not going to be drafted. So it doesn't matter. Somebody else's kid's going to want to go and then be made into yeah. bullet meat. Yeah. Fodder. 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 <laughs> Fodder. So it, I, you know, I lived and was part of a revolution. Right. <laughs> it was just right. like, we're on the steps and we're not going to take it anymore. No, 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 no. And that energy that you get out of that, you bring that into your life and then you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. No. You know, once that's inside of you, you go, no, this isn't right. This situation isn't right and something has to change. Yeah. Something's got to change. And to be there at that time is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And it also <laughs> must have shown you about guerrilla theater and, you know, I don't mean like you're out there, you know, storming the Bastille, but like the idea of, of theater and, 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 and your voice and your passion and how to get your word out and all that stuff. Okay, so how this, how I linked together to become an actress mm -hmm. was they, <laughs> they had these people who were supposedly teaching everybody how to be on the radio. Mm -hmm. But they had no chops because in order not to go to Vietnam, they had to continue in school. So they all said, well, I like movies and TV. I'm going to the radio TV film grad school. <laughs> What's the least that I can do? And they literally knew nothing. Right. So I am there teaching them with this old Volensock tape recorder sure, sure. how to uh, mark at one point, mm -hmm. pinch it, then edit it, you know, <laughs> to so that they could m build soundtracks for their little films that they wanted to do in this school. So I was, a, I was just constantly teaching and doing and teaching and doing and teaching and doing, and I was like second in that graduating class of that year. S second academically? As, uh, overall. Got it. There was one person who got an award. Right. And he was a guy who had been uh, like a, a teacher in Canada. And um, <laughs> he really didn't have a lot going on, but he was a lot older than the rest of us. Mm -hmm. And so okay. <laughs> they just gave him the award. And then everybody was flabbergasted because they expected me to get the award. Oh, and wow. so then they, they, they stood up with a piece of paper and they said, and Edie McClurg has contributed so greatly to all the aspects of this, you know, program. Mm -hmm. And so he got the little thing and then he went back to Canada and never heard from him again and me <laughs> I am a star <laughs> <laughs> and I put that with a small s I get it I get it, I get it. <laughs> um, so so this is all in Kansas this is in Syracuse Kansas City and then Syracuse, Syracuse and then yes. I came back to Kansas, Kansas City, City right. to continue teaching so at that time was there uh, oh no that was way past oh, Okay, so how did I get to Hollywood? Right. Okay, so 
Uh, I came home to Kansas City mm -hmm. from Syracuse, mm -hmm. and I said, I have a, a week and a half to find an apartment, and I found a beautiful apartment. The first time I went out looking, and there was this couple who came. Uh, I was sitting on the stairs uh, waiting for the guy to, you know, he was a, he was an, an inebriate. <laughs> for the That's landlord. Really nice. Yeah. That's really a nice way to say that. And so we, it sounds like you go to school. I went to get down that. and knocked on his door. The inebriate. Yes, and uh, he came to the door. You know, he's all. And I said, I'd like to look at the apartment, and I'll be the first one because someone else has has just arrived. And he said, Okay. You know, and he, you know, got on some clothes and came up all disheveled. And I walked in, and I was overlooking a park. Mm. And it, it was close this way, but I had a view of this beautiful park. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I said, and I decided, okay, if it's 185 or less, I can afford this. So I just, you know, I said, uh, how much is it? Because I walked in, it was great. How much is it? And they said, uh, uh, 135. And I said, I'll take it. Shook his hand. I said, Here's $40 promise money. I'll be back, you know, with the rest. Mm -hmm. And I went outside and told the people on the front porch, Go away. I, it's mine. <laughs> so I got it. I got the apartment in. 20 minutes, okay? <laughs> so then I had a week and a half before I had to really start back teaching and being, you know. Where were you teaching? At the University at of Missouri, University. Kansas City. Got it, got it. Doing the there. public radio got and it. all that. So you were that. teaching at the university. Yes. Got it. And now I'm, uh, I, I'm good because I have a master's. Right. I was doing it before, you know, sub rosa. Right. Because I had to get them good enough to be on this public radio station, which was 100,000, right. by now, 100,000 watts, and it was very smart people listening to this right. station. It's interesting the way that you got your education was from, was not, your intention was not to get an, a degree, your intention was to connect to people. Yes, yes, and it was, it was wonderful mm -hmm. in that uh, people in Kansas City the intelligentsia listened to that radio station. Right. And uh, so I, you know, I got to be with a group of people who were really smart. Right. And I loved that. Right. Because I'd been around a lot of dumb people in my life. <laughs> I came from a very poor rat trap area of town. Mm -hmm. And my dad was a postal worker and my mother was a government secretary. Wow, they both work in government. And they just, they did everything they could to get all three of us, you know, with degrees. Right. And we did it. You know, it was just, it was hard. And what were their political leanings? Did they have a political leaning? They, my father, <laughs> my father was a Republican and my mother was a Democrat. I don't know how people do that. And I said, why do you guys even bother to vote? You're just canceling each other out. <laughs> My mother said, someday 
he's not going to get there. (laughs) That was was pretty funny. Well, that's perseverance, (laughs) and it's also the idea of I'm not going to sacrifice my my integrity, the integrity that I have for that. (laughs) And so you sided with her politics. Did your your siblings side? Did they take sides? We were all all, uh, Democrats, Mm -hmm. and then my dad was a Republican. Right. Where did he go wrong? <laughs> I think it was because he worked at the post office mm-hmm. and he saw so many people just, uh, you know, crapping away right. their Slacking lives. Right, off, right. Yeah, and mm-hmm. just being lazy. Right. And th- they were all Democrats, so he decided I'm a Republican. Right, just like that. <laughs> Look at that, just like that, just like that. I know that I had a, a train of thought that you was You were going... going with the idea of, uh, uh, of getting the degree, going back. You came back to yes. Kansas City. Yes, okay, right. I came back to Kansas City, but I got the apartment like that. Right. So I hadn't seen my brother, uh, who, because uh, I was on one side of the country, and he had now, he had moved to San Francisco, and so I went to see him. Mm-hmm. I had that, you know, and I had a, a, a card. It was a not a. It was it was, a, a credit card, for, traveling. It was just like U.S. not U.S. Air, but a travel. You know, I could get there. I didn't have the money, mm-hmm. but I had this card. How'd you get the card? I just they sent it to me. Who's they? Whoever that card company was. Oh, they just sent it to you. Yes. I see. I see. I see. I see. Okay. Because I had a job. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. Look. So I got this card and I went to San Francisco to see my brother, and he said, "Oh, uh, we're uh, we have a show tonight." And it, they were. Your brother's an actor as well. He yes, he was doing improv comedy in San Francisco. With do you know what the group was? Pitchell Players. Okay. It was named after the bar, the the bartender at the bar around the corner from the theater. <laughs> it was a desanctified church, uh-huh. is what it was. Nice. Yeah. So what kind of what kind of improv? Flat out improv. It was sketch. I mean, not sketch, but but scenes, yes. not games, but scenes. We'd get a suggestion and do a scene. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah. So keep going. So I I was there and I was watching. This amazing thing that I could not figure out. How do they do this? They get a suggestion, and then there's a whole scene. How do they do that? How do they do that? And uh, so Paul Wilson, mm-hmm. a heavy set yeah, sure. character actor, yeah, yeah, was in yeah. the group. Yeah, and he's in the group. He was. In he the was in, in that group in, in San Francisco. In San Francisco. Yes. So. We were, At the corner of the bar for cheers yeah. all the time. Uh, yeah. I just saw him in a TV commercial for And something. Larry Hankin and all the, oh, the Second City so, people. Right, yes. Right. Uh, yeah. So, so was, was, was that, was Carl Gottlieb there too? Yes. Got it. It was the committee. Yes. It was the he, committee. The, it was in the committee and then they would all come to the bar right around the corner, Rose Pistola's bar uh-huh. afterward, and Got I met all it. of these improvisers at once, and it was just like, Gah. So you, you know. so your brother was in the committee? He, no, he wasn't in the committee, he was in the Pitchell Players. Got it. And that was Ann Bowen and Roger Bowen. Got it, Roger Bowen, yes. right. Oh, I oh, love him Roger. so much. So sorry, did, are we fine there? Um, so, I love Roger yes. Bowen. Yes. It, it, I just, I hated it. He, he died. Just too early. Too oh, way early. too His early. His daughter, and I mentioned in a, because Carl, I interviewed Carl, and, and Carl just talked glowing. Every time Roger Bowen, the word Roger, the words yes. Roger and Bowen come, yeah. the look on people's faces, oh my 
Yeah. Because Roger Bowen's daughter worked at Second City, and what a lovely person well, she Ann was. Well, Ann Bowen mm -hmm. was the one who was in charge of the Pitchell Players. Got it. Okay. <laughs> and then, so uh -huh. I, um, you know, I came and saw the first half of the show, and Paul Wilson said, uh, well, Bob says that uh, you're pretty good, uh, you know, comedian, uh, actor. Uh, you want to do the second half of the show? We have a scene that you could be in, you know, where everybody comes... And I said, what, what would I do? And he says, you'll just do the next logical thing. Now, here's the way the scene usually goes. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. The next logical thing. Yeah. That's the best advice anybody can give you. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, he, so the scene was this, that everybody comes in, and it, you, you kind of know one another, and you're kind of stilted because you're, you know, you're not loose, and you don't know some of the people. And... Uh, so then somebody uh, passes around a joint, and right. it's a fake joint. You know, yeah, it's yeah, no right. joint. It's, it's space, space it's work. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that gets spent, sent around, and then, um, oh, they said, go in the closet and get something to wear. So I, I ran into the closet, and I pulled out this, this thing, and they said, no, no, Mary always wears that. You have to find something else. So I found this really long scarf of many, many different colored yarns, really long, and I wrapped it around. And so in the scene, everybody arrives, everybody's very stilted, uh, you know, and then uh, we, someone passes the joint around and everybody gets really, really happy and funny yes. and la la la, and then everybody falls asleep. That's the way the scene is gonna go. Okay, so they tell me that. So there's an ending. You yeah. have a beginning and you have an ending. Yes. Right. Okay. So uh, I have the scarf on, mm -hmm. and so when we get a little loopy and high, then I pick up this scarf and I start looking at the light through these different colored yarns. And the people down right down in front the started really laughing mm -hmm. at what I was doing because it all it was all, you know, within what we were doing. Right. But I was gone, you know. So <laughs> Ann Bowen, Roger Bowen's wife, was right. the leader of this group. And, and, and an she, improviser as well. Yes, yes, but she was just running the, the group. Okay. So she sits at the back of the, this old desanctified church, mm -hmm. which is now this theater, and, uh, and then afterwards she would give notes. So she said, what were you doing? What were you doing that all those people down front were really laughing at you? What were you doing? And I said, well... I knew that we were stoned, and so I saw the different colors of the yarn through the lights. And she went, hmm. And then when they moved to Los Angeles. As the committee, or? Uh, the Pitchell Players. The Pitchell Players. Where the Improv Club is now. Yes. It was the Pitchell Players Cabaret. Really? Yes. On Melrose. On Melrose. And we came in, and... Uh, Joe Roth was married. He's a big, you know, uh -huh. big mocky mock. Right. He was married to M Mary McCusker, who was in our group. And Ooh. he was managing, supposedly us, but he was going a little crazy because the money was going out and nothing was coming in, and it was, it was pretty crazy at the time. Right. And finally, and I had moved there. I had you left gave radio. Up your, you gave up. I gave up my radio gig. I moved to uh, what I thought I was. You gave up I was, teaching. You gave up your radio. I was going to go to San Francisco and be with these people. 
they moved to Los Angeles just as I was moving to San Francisco. <laughs> so I went down, and Paul Wilson and my brother uh -huh. were sharing a place on um, right around the corner from the improv mm -hmm. club, and uh, which well, was the Pitchell Players, yes. And so, uh, you know, we're just there. And I thought, well, I guess I'll just go back to teaching or uh, somebody at in L.A. No, so I had was when I was trying to get near San Francisco. Uh huh. I got an offer for a job in Stockton. Oh boy! And I went there, and it was so hot, and right. it was so icky. And the only city in California that went bankrupt. Yes. Just to want you yes. Know that. I I understand why. <laughs> but so they were going to um uh, they showed me the the studio. Mm -hmm. Well, that was the studio for the radio station. But where the production people would work was literally a Quonset hut with a cement floor that was so dirty. And the guy who worked there would be working with me, mm -hmm. had a Kiana shirt that he never washed because <laughs> it never got wrinkled. And, oh, and there were piles no. of dusty, old, no. rotting tape. And I thought, what have I done? I gave up my job in Kansas City. Mm -hmm. I came here so that I could be with the Pitchells in San mm -hmm. Francisco. The only a job offer I could get was in Stockton because nobody hired a woman to be on a public, a right. regular radio station. Right. One of them said to me, I went in for an audition or to talk, and they said, uh, no one will accept news from a woman's voice. And I said, I have been doing a live, one-hour-long news program every day for three years in Kansas City, Missouri, one of the top 50 markets, no one has ever complained about me delivering the news with a woman's voice. Crazy. Oh, not, Crazy. I, but this is, you know, way back. I know, but thinking about it, I get that. But thinking about it now where you go, it are you was, kidding me? Oh. I heard Sandra Day O'Connor on Fresh Air with Terry Gross. <laughs> and Sandra Day O'Connor, and she was, I don't know if you heard it, but, but oh, that was a tough interview, boy. You really want to hear a tough interview. That's a really hard interview. But Sandra Day O'Connor was saying she applied for a job at a law firm, and somebody says, women can't be lawyers. Yes. People said that right out loud. Right, right to out your loud. Face. Right, and, oh. and and how many, but, but how many, how many women at that point went? I guess you're right. I, this doesn't feel right. But if this is the status quo, then what the hell can I do? And it's such a lesson in what do you want to do, and just don't listen to those ass hats. Well, you know, I wa I watched my mother sit in this little tiny office and do all of the work. And her boss sat there and smoked a cigar all day long, barely did anything. And it drove my mother practically bat shit crazy right, because she was doing all the work. He was making three times the amount of money that she was, and she just had to eat it. Right. She Ate it oh. and she ate it and she ate it and I said I'm not gonna that's never gonna be me. It was that reverse 
thing. So the but the lesson also in that or 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 something is she didn't lose it. She just she she persevered in her own way, but it's also she went she did not go quietly into the night, did she? No. Did she come home and talk to you about it? Oh yeah. 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 And she'd say, and she'd take off her dress, and she said, "God, the smell of this man's cigar," you know. And it's like, oh, uh, oh, no, no, no. So you left the Stockton place. You didn't. I you didn't, didn't even didn't take, go there. You didn't go there. You didn't take okay. a job. Okay. So, but they showed me this horrible place. Right. They had shown me a picture of, of that. the other place. Yeah. No one's taking pictures of the Quonset Hut. Oh no. And that's shirt. where I would. Oh, right. Okay, so I left there, and uh, I was going to fly down to L.A. because now the Pitchells had moved to L.A. and they were where the Improv Club is. And I just, I thought, oh my God, you know, I just barely missed it here, and I don't know what I'm going to do, but I can't go to Stockton. I know I can't. And the guy is driving me to the airport, because so I can go down to. To LA. Did you have all your stuff or your stuff was still? No, was, all my stuff was in Kansas, Kansas. City. Uh -huh, uh -huh. And so, Kansas City, Missouri. Right. And so, <laughs> uh, but it, it was easily disseminated, my stuff. Uh huh. You know. Right. It's only stuff. It, it was, you know, just right. junk I'd picked up along the way, right. really. Yeah, as and most stuff is. So, I, I, I f then flew down to LA. And I said, well, you know, I've been offered a job in Stockton, and I, I have given notice at my job in Kansas City, so I can't go back there. They've already hired someone to come in after me. And uh, I just don't know what I'm, I don't know what I'm going to do. Right. And they said, well, we hired a woman to take Mary's place because she was staying in San Francisco. Her husband was, uh, he worked in San Francisco. Joe, Joe Roth was Joe staying Roth. in Joe Roth was staying in San Francisco. Both Mary and Joe were in San Francisco. Okay, no. It was this other woman was going to stay in San Francisco because uh -huh. she was a teacher. Got it. Okay. She played, you know, at right. improv, but, but she was a teacher. her life was a teacher. Yes. Right. Okay, so... Joe and Mary, Joe mm -hmm. Roth and Mary, his wife. Who are also Jesus' parents' names, by the way. Yes. I just want you to know that. <laughs> yes. Okay. All right. Not those Joe and Mary. No. So if somebody's tuning in right now, it's like we're not talking no. about those people. No. Right. No. So I was, I'm really close to being finished with my story. No, you're not. Yes, I am. No, I'm going to okay. keep picking no. at it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I get to L.A. Mm -hmm. and I said, well... You know, I I hoped that I could be with you, and uh, you know, I'm just uh, I've given notice at my job, and you know, I'm going to have to look around and find something to do. And they said, well, you know, the woman that we hired to take Mary's place has come down with rheumatoid arthritis. Uh, she can't walk or what? use her hands. She's a young person, wasn't she? Young person. And they said uh, so. Mary's the only woman we have right now, and do you want to come and take this woman's place? And it was, would I, would I? I could barely keep myself in my seat. I right. said, yes, I'd love to do that. And I went home to Kansas City, and my father and I loaded up a U-Haul trailer. Your with father was everything. like thumbs up on that. 
Your dad's thumbs no, up. No, they on. were both scared to death. Okay. My mother, I have a picture of myself standing beside the U-Haul trailer, <laughs> and my mother has her hand on my shoulder, and she can't even look at me. She's looking at the ground. She's looking at the ground, and I'm like, what am I doing? You know, <laughs> I had a shag haircut that I'd gotten, you know, when I was in grad school up at Syracuse, and these little rectangular glasses. Uh -huh. And uh, so my dad uh, drove the car that hauled the trailer. All the way from Kansas City. And then to... I drove my little Toyota Carina right behind him. Wow. All the way across. They really supported you. They were both scared to They were death. scared, but they weren't scared in a way. It was like, no, you're not over my dead. They didn't do no, that No, I all. said, no, we're going to do this. Right. And I was going to where my brother was, and right, I knew the people. Right. It wasn't like I was in Stockton. Right, <laughs> right, 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 right. They talk you out of Stockton. No, they were going to Stockton. Well, they, they, they pooped in their own juice because uh, while they were taking me around town. Is that said, a phrase, pooped in your own juice? No, I just made I it I like up. the phrase, though. Okay, so uh -huh. I, uh, they said, now this could be a safe place for you to live. And it had all these bars and everything. And I said, well, why are you showing me this? This is kind of a negative feeling. And he said, well, see, we're a farming community. Uh -huh. And when it's not time for harvest when they make money they go around and steal things so that they can <laughs> hawk them and and I said you know this isn't a real good thing to be telling me sales pitch. so the guy the guy who was kind of in charge of the radio business you know he was driving me to the airport and he says well right. uh, if we offered you the job now what would you say and I said you know I'm, I'm going to have to put that on hold while I consider it, and I'll let you know in a couple of days. I don't know why I just, you know, I, stay, I didn't say yes, I didn't say no. Right. But I went to L.A., the girl came with rheumatoid arthritis, and then I'm in the, I'm in the uh, official players. players. They failed. As very, as most do. Very soon afterward, mm -hmm. and I was waiting tables in the place where I was had been on stage, and I was waiting tables, and I was really bad at it, and I, That's, I was. It, was it kind of the setup the, the way that it's set up now? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. It was a, you know a drinky place, right? You, you know, and uh, so I just uh, I, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Because <laughs> I don't, don't, don't want to be a waitress in right. the place where I had been a performer. Right, that hurt your heart. It really hurt my heart. Right. And I lived right around the corner on oh, Edinburgh God. Avenue, and right. my brother and, and the Paul Wilson were right around the corner on Kilkia. Right. You know, right there. So it was like the, you know, the. Yeah, that reminder, that stabbing reminder. All the stab, the time, like this all didn't the time, happen, and no. you gave up everything, and it's a symbolic everything. thing. Right, exactly. It's this weird talisman that's shouting at you. You're a failure. But there was a part of me that was a real self-preservationist mm -hmm. because when I saw that improv stuff going on, I wanted to, you know, continue my radio gig. 
but I moved out of very nice apartment I mm -hmm. was in right around the corner from $185 apartment to a $95 apartment. What? Right around the corner, overlooking the same park. But it was a crap, right, you right, know, crap place. Track. But I said, I'm going to save money. <gasps> and I took that, you know, 85 and that 30, you know, and then I went and there was a, in every week in the newspaper was a thing for the Unicorn Club and Apartments uh, needs a waitress. Well, it turns out it's on the Kansas side. So they, if they have a private club, they can sell booze. <gasps> but they, they do it with a bottle at a time. They buy a bottle at a time. Mm -hmm. So then for their setup, which is 7-Up or water, then they pay 15 cents. And I was getting tips off of 15 cents. I came home one night. I had moved into the crap apartment so I could save money. And then I did my radio job in the daytime. And then I would drive over to the Kansas side. And I would, you know, and this guy would give me a nickel tip. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. But you, and I, you kept doing it, though. I did it for a week. Oh, God. Okay, good. It wasn't and like I got four so years angry. Oh, yeah, I got yeah, so yeah. angry because right. they would make me go into the back because it was a, a, a measured pour, right? Right. You didn't even pour. There was, it would come out of this machine. Right. You know? And I'd have to climb up. No! Oh, yeah, I'd have to climb up because I was so short, you know, to reach the top, you know? <laughs> and uh, so then when a, when a bottle would be empty, mm -hmm. I'd have to go back and, you know, open that up and pour it into the machine. And I got so angry, I would take huge, big slugs of whiskey <laughs> and whatever <laughs> I was changing the bottle on. Just because it was like, Edie, you're living in this shit apartment. You're making shit wages, but you're going to California. You know? So you went. So you ended up. How long did it take you to get out there? Like from that point, the, the eighty dollar at the at the Iroquois Arms. No, what's it called? The what arms? The 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 the, the place you stayed in. What? What was the name of the place? The the Iroquois Arms. What did you call it? <laughs> the, the 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 place that, the, where you lived or the the club. What was it name? Unicorn Club and Apartments Unicorn because it was all singles. Got it. Oh. It was singles. <laughs> oh. Unicorn. And it was and also. And the one, I, I was there a week. And the Friday night That's was it. the big night. Right. Oh, everybody comes in off the road who's been driving and uh -huh. making, you know. And uh, so I'm there and I'm, you know, climbing up on the bar to, you know, reach the, you mm -hmm. know, to do this. And uh, this uh, nice black man came in, very nice suit, and he said, wall to wall. And I said, is that a particular kind of drink? He says, no, I'm buying it for everybody who's here. Uh -huh. So that was my one night I got more than 15, 20, 30, 40 cents. He gave me, you know, a very nice tip. That's awesome. <laughs> and <laughs> so you come out here without any, really any, other than your performance experience, you have no direct improv training other than working with people, which is the best way to, to get your improv yeah. training. And did, is your brother still doing improv? I mean, is your brother still in the industry? I think, no, not really. Uh-huh. No. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, and you connected with the Groundlings. Yes, because... 
I had, you know, we had failed, mm -hmm. and uh, I I went up to um, the comedy store, and on I, sunset, on sunset, mm -hmm. and I was like a waitress, and hope you know trying to <laughs> wow trying to get back on stage, right. but I was I was waiting table. Who did you see there? Oh God, Tim Thomerson was the big, he was a big I've heard, yeah, deal I've at that time. I've heard his name. He yeah. very handsome man, very funny, mm -hmm. and he could do all his face, he could make his face just in any look. And then what happened to him? Don't know. Right. And uh, you know, there's quite a few people who had been there and they just they just disappeared. And David Letterman was hosting at the time. Mm -hmm. And my brother fired me. He didn't want to be part of an act anymore. Mm -hmm. He wanted to be like Tim Thomerson, you Got know, it. just show up, do his set and leave, right. you know. And I had props. I had this I was So a, you had a stand up thing. I yes. I was Miss Switzerland who was <laughs> and you know, I would just make these insane characters, you know, and had this little bell board with me. I had a little dirndl, you know, and an right. apron, and I would come out, yeah, yeah, how are you doing? Yes, I'm here with you, doing as many things. And, uh, you know, a lot of people are thinking, we're just sitting around Lake Geneva pulling the skin off a hot chocolate, you know? Maybe yodeling some secret bangle yacht numbers? No, but my God and Himmel, we are also making doorknobs. So... When you go from one room to the other, you say, thank you, Switzerland. <laughs> and, and David Letterman was the host at the time. And he saw me walking up and down in the back, little, little back, you know, where the toilets are. Right, and right, and right, you right. walk back and forth waiting but to yeah, go yeah, on. Your anxiety. And, you know, in my little dirndl, you know, thing. And, uh, and then I came up and did, you know, this perfect satire. And... Later on, he hired me to be on the daytime David Letterman show in New York. Got it, right. And he <sighs> said, I can't tell you how uh, sorry I felt for you when I saw you walking up and down in the back, you know, running your lines with your little outfit and your little Swiss flags on your <laughs> little thing. And then I came out and nailed it right. and, you know, floored everybody. Right. And I said, oh, <laughs> you know. So then, you know, he hired me to do all my characters, Mrs. Marvin Mendenhall, you know, from Venice, uh huh? You know, doing all the different characters that I would do <sighs> on the David Letterman daytime show. Uh, Valerie Bromfield was a very funny uh, woman, character, uh, actress, and I, we did the Timkey sisters who would come, we would sit in the audience, and we looked like regular people. Mm -hmm, right. And then he would go up into the audience, you know, and interview, you know, somebody, and then interview us. And we were just insane. We were so funny. And it was so <laughs> nuts. Because, and then, and then NBC fired us. Fired, fired you, all, everybody. Everybody. Fired, fired, uh, uh, David, David Letterman, Letterman and everybody. everybody. Right, right, right. Fired. Right. Because it, and literally, the guy, David had said to, that this guy could be a good producer for us. 
And he wasn't. He mm. was a guy who produced game shows. Mm -hmm. Bob some Stewart, maybe, was his name. He ran all those game shows. You were on they, a lot of game shows. Well, David was on the game show, and he, they said, well, we'd like to give you a summertime show live on NBC in New York, and, and uh, who do you want to produce it? And then he said, well, this guy, he's a pretty good producer. Well, he knew shoot the, shoot the board. <laughs> Shoot the host, <laughs> shoot the contestant. That's all he knew. Right, right, and right, I'd be right. doing these crazy ass things, you know, showing something, and I could see the camera wandering like, around. No, and this no, was live no, 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 on the air. Right. And I'm trying to get them to point to this so I can make so look my at that. Joke. This is what this is the joke is oh. here. It's not over there. <laughs> and I just see these because they were used to doing the news. God, it right. Was a, the news guy, you know, you shoot the 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 board for, you know, the the weather. The weather, right. and then you shoot the host, and right. then you shoot the you go to the, the sports, sports guy. guy. Right. That's right. all they right. knew how to do, and they were just I literally. I was watching them try to find here, <laughs> and I'm going here. Here it is. <laughs> so the show didn't last a whole hell of a long time. <laughs> And how I found out that I was fired was right after I had gone to New Orleans because David didn't want to go to New Orleans to promote. Uh -huh. It was a big, you know, thing, and so I went down and I, I curried favor. I gave everybody props. I was so sweet. I was so nice. And I worked my ass to the bone, morning, noon, and night for three days with everybody from every station. This was a place where they would gather and they would hear me do an interview with so-and-so and tell these stories. And then they wanted me to tell those, so I so told the same stories 15 times. Right. And did this, you know, promo, promo, promo of the David Letterman daytime show, got back to New York and I was fired. No. Yes, because they just didn't want to spend any more money. Right. Because they were going to cancel the show. And I was like, and Dave, I said, you know, I just started weeping. I was fired. Right. Was that the and first fired you've been? I mean, yeah. in that way, right. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right, right. So he comes in and he says, well, look at it this way. You got a real nice trip to New Orleans. And I said... I was down there promoting you, promoting the show, promoting daytime NBC, and I worked every ass on that street to make this happen. And don't say, oh, you got a nice trip to New Orleans. How dare you? You didn't want to go. I went. I did it. You, you. Right, 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 right. <laughs> but you don't stop. You don't stop. No. You don't stop. No. <laughs> that that that's awesome. That is awesome. I, I I'm, I'm just just glad we're to hear. We're way over time. No, I'm we're sure. not. We're not. We're not. We're not. Oh, not. I just right. I want to I want to I just want to do one thing because I feel like I. There's Are we so missing much, some things? No, no, we're missing everything. <laughs> but one of the things is because I have a feeling that I'm gonna have you. I want to ask you back, and I don't say that to everybody, but there's just so much going on. I I want to. I just want to. I want to know what the connection is between you and the Groundlings, only because I'm I'm a friend of Gary's, and okay. I really like Gary Gary Austin. Uh, there was a great big thing where a lot of improv groups were you know, doing it at one night somewhere east. 
we'd got I got lost on the way home. Right. I I had us halfway into the next state, you know, because uh -huh. I I had the car. Uh -huh. Everybody else was from San Francisco, and they didn't have cars because uh -huh. they didn't have cars right, in San Francisco. Right, 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 But I had driven my little the Toyota, Toyota Carina, Carina, Carina. <laughs> all the way across <laughs> right, America exactly. with my father hauling the whole U-Haul trailer. Oh my God! So. From that moment, you know, and I have that picture of my mother standing with, looking down at the ground with her hand on my shoulder, and I've got these, you know, this shag hair and, you know, right. my little square glasses. Oh, my God. And no makeup. I was in the, into, I'm not wearing makeup. Well, there's a time Well, I had to get, you know, I had to put makeup on when I got to Hollywood. But it was, <laughs> it was... Uh, it was like everything fell into place because I was there with the yes. Right. You were there with the yes. Everything fell when into place because you were there with the yes. Yes. And I just said, what's going to happen if it doesn't work? I'll just go do something else. Right. <laughs> but, but a lot of people come here and they're like, it has to be that. It's got to be that. Yeah. And those are the people that, don't, that leave because yeah. it doesn't become that. And you won't let that go. Well, I just, uh, I enjoyed myself most of the time. Right. I've never seen Even you. Even though not... I've had no, you know. But I've always seen you enjoy yourself. Like the, the times that I've watched you work. And also, again, going back to the characters that, that I've seen you play on stage and the characters that you play. Oh, my God. Like you, you're in so many iconic scenes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's crazy. Well, you just, you know, I don't even look Ferris at that. Bueller's Day Off. Right. Is a, it just goes on and on right. and on because young people identify with right. it. And there's always a new group of young people who identify. But that's also identify. back, that goes back to the part in uh, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Because yes. everybody can relate to that. And the frustration yes. and the aggravation and the way that you play it, because I'm watching you play it, and there's an economy of, like, all your movements, there's an economy of movement. You never play the beat. You never are over the beat. Do you know, you know what I mean? You're, you're very... Uh, yes. You're, there's so much energy in what you're doing. Your, your conversation on the phone and hanging up the phone and just sitting there in duration in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, of you just sitting there and smiling and your head nodding and all that, it's... Beautiful. But planes, trains, and automobiles, I did that right after my mother died. And I mean literally. We went to, uh, to St. Louis to shoot. Uh -huh. And uh, my brother was there. And uh, my brother Jack, my older brother, and uh, he came down, you know, to see me there and uh, my, literally it was days, it was days before, you know, that I'm holding her and breathe mama, breathe dead. And then I go to St. Louis and <laughs> there's Steve Martin. Right. And I'm sitting with John uh, Hughes. Hughes' wife and talking with her, and it all just started to, you know, come out. And I said, I really don't want to talk about this, but I really, I kind of need to talk about it. And I just said, you know, this is what has happened, and, and here I am, and, you know, I'm ready to do my gig, but I'm, you know, part of me is just, I'm in mourning. Right. And, uh, but I didn't tell this 
you know, to Steve or anybody. I just told it to, to John Hughes' wife, mm -hmm. and Nancy. So, so I get up there behind the, uh, the desk, and uh, what I did is, while he's berating me and saying the effing this and the effing that and the effing and the effing, and he didn't want to say it right in my face, but I said, we've got to do it. Right. We've got to do I it. I felt that. Yeah. I mean, he's so polite. He's so loving. He's, he's lovely. the sweetest man yeah. I know. And he just, I said, you're not going to bother me. Right. You know. Because you're, you're not up there. Your character's up it's, there. That's right. Right. And I look at it and I see my hair is so long because I just, you know, buried my family and I couldn't, I couldn't get anywhere to get my hair done. Right. Well, it, I, so I just kind of folded it all up, you know, and it really is a weird looking <laughs> hairdo. <laughs> and so I'm, uh, so what I was doing is I was making him wait. So I would say, uh, so I, I was on the phone doing a rental agreement with right. someone, a rental agreement, you know, a couple of, couple of takes of that. And then John Hughes just leans over, he says, this time talk about Thanksgiving. So I back up oh, and I let fly with this monologue that is just my family. Oh, it's fuck. all my family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got to get her up, or you know, she's got to get the ambrosia going, and you can see she's just, and all of that is my family, my mother. You know, she's whomping up the whipped cream, you know, to make the ambrosia. <laughs> just, it just flew out of my mouth, and then, okay, we finish it, and John Hughes leans over and he says, because the writer in him is saying, what? Right. He says, how do you do that? I say talk about Thanksgiving. You give me a monologue. How do you do it? And I said, you do the same thing. You write about people you know and what you know and what they've said. I got it in here, and it comes out here. And one take, moving on. Oh, my God. Okay, we got to move on. That bye was bye. awesome. We're done here. We're done. I want to have you back. That was so good. Oh, I barely begun. Thank you for listening to the ADD Comedy Podcast. For Dave Rosowski, I'm Ian Foley. For more information on ADD Comedy, you can visit our website at www.theaddcomedytour.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at ADD Comedy Pod. If you're in the Los Angeles area and you're interested in taking a class with Dave, you can find that information at his website at www.davidrozowski.com. Sound services for the ADD Comedy Podcast was brought to you by Post Apocalyptic. Are you waiting for that perfect time to start your dream business? It's now. Whether you're setting up an LLC, S-Corps, sole proprietorship, or nonprofit, LegalZoom takes care of you from start to finish. For more information, go to LegalZoom.com. LegalZoom is not a law firm and provides self-help services at your specific direction, but there's so much more. Now every LLC and incorporation package includes an easy-to-use business accounting software, a $269 value, free. Be sure to enter ADD Comedy in the referral box at checkout. Start your business, protect your family, and safeguard your assets at LegalZoom.com today.